yesterday, yesterday I was thinking, and yes, that's generally when I do get into trouble. <laughs> yesterday I was thinking about how far we have fallen. How no one goes to church like they did when I was younger. How most churches are no longer the center of people's lives. They're a, if I get time to, they're a hobby. They're not a life place. But then I started thinking. Did everyone go when I was younger, as I remember? Did everyone go to church the way I remember? No, it was just me and my family that went to church. 1969, one year after I was born, 1969, 54 years ago, Woodstock happened. Woodstock, 400,000 people went to Woodstock for a weekend of music. You had a megachurch, what we consider a megachurch. I don't consider megachurches. There's no such thing as a mega. It's either a church or it's not. Uh, they generally get about five, 6,000 for an hour. An hour. And then people are rushing out the door to go home. Woodstock had 400,000 people for four days. Just a few bathrooms. Horrible weather. No hotels, no food, for five days, an estimated 400,000 people in 1969. A church today can get, let's go 10,000 for an hour or so. Try a, re, uh, a retreat or try a weekend getaway for God, though, and maybe, if you are lucky, maybe, if you are lucky, 200 people will attend. Why? They will tell you, I'm too busy. I got to do this. I got to do that. But they went to Woodstock, 400,000 for five days, and they lived in mud. It's amazing. We often say, wow, look at the kids of the day. When in actuality, the parents of yesterday are the reason the kids of today are the way they are. It's not the kids' fault. Kids are just like a computer. They only know what we put in. They only know what we program them with. It's not the kids of today's fault. It is the parents of yesterday's fault. Sunday afternoon, stadiums across this nation are filled with 70,000 on average per stadium. College football on Saturday, 70, 80,000. College football packs them in. That's 150,000 people in two stadiums, Saturday and Sunday, and they could even be the same stadium. Sometimes NFL does play in college stadiums. 150,000 people can go to four or five hours to a football game, but we can't get five or 6,000, let alone 150,000, to a church service. Every weekend for 21 weeks, the NFL, Every weekend for 12, 13 weeks, college football packs them in. It's every week a football game in Dallas, Texas is an event. Every week, Arizona. Every week, New Orleans. They're events. People pay huge money to go there, but they will not go to the church that is free for an hour without running out the door. Don't get me wrong, I love a good NFL game. I do. But football stadiums are filled for 21 weeks, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Thursday. 
It's Monday night, Thursday night, Saturday, college on Saturday. Oh, and don't forget high school football games. Six days of the week, football games fill stadiums. Churches can't fill for two hours on Sunday. Why can we get people to a football game in December? And I'm sure you've seen it before. In December, the middle of a snowstorm, the stadium is full. People sitting there watching a football game. But people get up in the morning, there's a little ice in the road. All right, I understand the ice, but there's a little snow on the road. There's a little rain on the road. They don't go to church, but they will sit in a blizzard and watch a football game. Church for two services on the day that we call the Lord's Day. Church for two services is an impossibility for most people because they're so busy. But they can take eight or nine hours and go to a football game with traveling, parking, walking, all that stuff. But they can't go to church for an hour or two. I no longer believe it is generation, generational. I have to believe that the outgoing generation didn't sell it. There was a generation that stopped selling to their kids, you must go to church, you must know God. There's a generation that stopped, but that didn't stop automatically. There was a generation that took it a little lighter, and the generation before took it a little lighter. The generation before took it a little lighter. Until finally it stopped. It's a generational breakdown, yes. But it is no longer a generational problem. It is a problem that originated way back when. You cannot blame the kids for what they were not taught. You can't. I remember getting up and going to church. Whether or not I wanted to, we got up and went to church. Mom made sure of that. She didn't care if we didn't care. She didn't care if we didn't want to go. We all piled in the car and we went every Saturday morning or every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Usually on Saturdays we were at the church painting the basement, working on uh, whatever needed to be done, taking the trash, mowing the yard. That's how we were raised, taking care of God's house, being in God's house. We did not teach this to our kids, and we were at fault. My mother taught it to me. The next two generations after me stopped forcing the poor dears to go to church. But not because the kids whined and threw a tantrum. Kids whined and threw a tantrum in the store, they still take them to the store. Kids whined and throw a tantrum at the football game, but they still take them to the football game. No, they stopped the battle because it was convenient, because it was comfortable, because they didn't want to have to go through it, because they didn't want to ruin their mood before they went to church. Instead, we're going to stop battling for their souls as long as I can be in a good mood to go to church. Now those kids that we didn't make go have kids of their own, and those kids have no idea what church is. Those kids have no idea what the Bible is. Those kids, half of them, don't know who Jesus is. It's our fault. Not mine specifically, not yours specifically. The parents who stopped caring about the souls of their kids and more about their comfort, more about the convenience, more about the, oh, I don't want to go through this today. It's such a hassle. Now those kids don't know the values we had, and it's our fault. What happened to those kids? We happened to those kids. 
We're going to go to Judges 2.6. You say it's the Old Testament. It is because the Old Testament is full of examples. The Old Testament is full of wisdom. If we but look at what they did and how it affected them. Judges 2.6. And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And the people, I'm just going to rephrase, I repeat 2-7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. They buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnathaharis, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gash. Joshua has divided the land. All the children of Israel went to their inheritance for to possess it. To possess it, Israel is finally in the promised land, and now Joshua is a ripe old age, and it's time for him to go. All the people served the Lord. All the days of Joshua and the days of the elders that outlived Joshua. That is very important because Judges 2.10, Joshua dies. They bury him. The generation of Joshua, the one that outlived him, they die. All the old guard is gone. A new generation comes up. Judges 2.10. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Joshua sent the people on their way. The people went out to get their inheritance. They're fighting for their inheritance from God to make a better life for their children. And they forget to make a better life for their children because they forget to tell them about God. And then the younger generation forgets God. It is the fault of the parents. Personal accountability stops Starts not with the kids, but with the parents who are teaching those kids. 18 years after Joshua, 18 years after Joshua, and they knew not the Lord, nor the works that he had done. Now, remember, Joshua led for 25 years. Moses led for 40, so that's 65 years. So it took... With that 18 from Joshua to the next generation that forgot God, it took from the Exodus to the complete turnaway 84, 83 years, eh, give or take, not even a century, and they forgot God. They forgot what he had done. They forgot the works he had done. They forgot how he provided for them. 18 years they forgot the inheritance that God had given them that they had just claimed. The parents failed to make the kids understand. The parents were so busy making a life good for their kids that they made things so much worse for their children. And they didn't understand the importance of what they were doing or what they were not doing and not teaching their kids. Judges 2.11 And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they, they followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto, those, unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal 
and Ashtaroth, the God that delivered them from Egypt, the God that sent the pillar of fire, that separated the Red Sea, that put the walls of Jericho out, that God they forsook and they went after false gods who aren't real and did nothing for them. 18 years it took for the world to reach in and corrupt the Israelites. 18 years is all it took. 18 years from the death of the old generation to idolatry. 18 years. What a fall. How fast and how hard they fell. The world corrupted them long before they could convert the world. Sound familiar, church? One generation, and they forgot the fear of the Lord, the respect for the God of the universe, the things he had done, the sacredness and the holiness of God. They have forgotten. And when it says the children of Israel, it's not talking about the youth. It's talking about the parents and the leaders. Forgot God. They forgot God, and they didn't teach it to their kids. Judges 2.14 and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them, for evil, as the Lord has said. And as the Lord had sworn unto them, that if they chased after gods, he would bring evil upon them, and he has done so. And they were greatly distressed. I have pointed this out a couple of times. The anger of the Lord was hot, was used four times in the Bible. Four times. Anger of the Lord was hot, four times in the Bible. And guess what? All four times that phrase is used is right here in the book of Judges. All four in Judges. Joshua dies. The generation with Joshua died. There's no strong leader in the nation. No strong leader in the cities and towns. No strong leader in the homes. Where are the spiritual leaders? I don't know. They didn't know God. If they didn't know God, there were no strong spiritual leaders. The people strayed because there was no strong leader. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a-whoring after other gods. That is in the Bible, right there. They went a-whoring after other gods. Bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the camp commandments of the Lord. Their fathers obeyed the commandments of the Lord. The next generation did not. They did not so. And when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge, delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge, for it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. God brought judgment because they chased after the false gods. You think God's not a jealous God? Right here, he's a jealous God. You think God doesn't care how much you worship him, how much you love him, how much you pay attention to him? Yes, he does. When they were delivered from their troubles, the children of Israel go right back to doing what made God angry in the first place. They never saw cause and effect because they didn't pass it down. 
Each time their sin and idolatry was worse than the generation before. Each time their sin and idolatry got worse. Every time they walked away from God, their sin and their idolatry got worse. We can claim this not just in our nation today. We can claim this in our states, in our cities, in our towns, in our families. But we can also claim this in the very individuals of this nation that every time we walk away, the sin, the idolatry gets worse. You can see it in this world today. Each generation is worse than one before in how far and how fast they run from God. And God pulls them up short. They forget what happened. They run again. Just as in the time of the Israelites. Judges 2.19 And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers. And following other gods to serve them, to bow down unto them, they ceased not from their own doings, nor from their stubborn way. It's worse every generation. Bible says so. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, Because that this people hath transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and have not hearkened unto my voice, I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died. Judges 2.21 is the answer when asking, why does God allow the enemies of Israel to persecute them? Look at Israel today. The land of Israel is surrounded by enemies without and enemies within because of the sin and the idolatry of the Israelites way back in Joshua's time, and they are still paying for it today. Joshua died. Some of the enemies were not run off. God said, I will not drive them out anymore. I'm going to keep them in place, and they're going to persecute my people. They're going to prove my people, and they're going to remind them from time to time that they need to get back to God. Judges 2.22 That through them I may prove Israel, whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein, as their fathers did keep it, or not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, Neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. God is a just God. God is a holy God. God is a loving God. But his patience has a limit. And the Israelites have reached the end of his patience. He left the enemies of Israel there that they might prove the nation when the nation strayed. They didn't pass down the works of God. They didn't pass down the faith of God. They didn't pass down. They didn't teach the next generation. They were so busy getting their inheritance that they went and they left and they didn't teach their kids and went into idolatry. The Lord brings them back, delivers them with the judge. In most cases, 20, 25 years later, they're back to the idolatry and the sin because it's not being passed down from generation to generation. The earnestness, the truth of the matter that nothing is being passed down from father to son. 
Let me, let me, let me rephrase that. They may be telling them. They may be talking to them. But they are not teaching them as a way of life. They are not teaching them as an emotional support, the God of the universe. They are not teaching them as the spiritual support, the God of the universe. They are not teaching them God as a friend, as a way of life. They're teaching them, there's God, you've got to love him. But they're not doing it. They may be walking in the commandments of God, but they're not doing it in front of their kids. They're not teaching their kids it's first. They're out building a life for their kids. That's what happened in this nation. You may be talking to your kids, but are you teaching them? Are you showing by example the godliness of God? Are you showing them by example the holiness of God? Or is it, you must do it this way because I said so, I'm not doing it that way, but you've got to. Bus ministries are huge because parents send their kids to Sunday school. What are the parents doing while their kids are going to Sunday school? Are we teaching them, or are we just parodying them? If we're teaching them, if we're programming them, that programming will stick. But if we're just parodying, it's not going to stick. Psalms 33, 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looketh from heaven, and he beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation, he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike. He considereth all their works. God watches all the world. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. It is time for this nation to say, the Lord God, he is our God. And it is time for us to live as God wants us to live in the home and in the world teaching those children the right way. You can't just say it. You have to do it. You have to lead by example. We have lost generations because we didn't lead by example. We sat in our easy chairs. We didn't lead by example. We let the pastor do it. We didn't lead by example. We let the missionary do it. It's not the pastor and the missionary. It's us to win our homes. We have to lead the example in this world before our kids. It's not taking because we're not doing it. It's not the kid's fault. It's the parents. It is time that we reaffirm that our nation is one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Because until we reaffirm that there is a God in heaven, and he is our God, he is a holy God, he is a just God, and he expects us to have standards. Until we reaffirm that, and we teach it to the kids, it's not going to happen. It has to start with this generation. It has to start this day. Today is the day that we need to affirm, that we need to set the example, the testimony, that we need to be a shining light to show the world and our home, our kids, our grandkids, His holiness, His righteousness through us. Christian, do you believe we are any better than Israel in the book of Judges? Do you believe that our age of grace rationale is going to protect us from the wrath of God? It's not. God is no respecter of persons. If he judges one, he's got to judge all. 
If you believe there is a God, if you believe in His Word, if you believe in this book, His Word, then we must believe that there is an end to the free ride. We must believe that there is coming a day we will give an answer. And I'm not talking about judgment day. I'm talking about the day God looks down on this nation, takes his hand of blessing off, and says, y'all don't know me no more. There's coming that day. Might even be here. And it is not the kids' fault. It is the parents who dropped the ball because we were too comfortable. We wanted to be too convenient. We didn't want to put up with the battles that to go to church, dragging, kicking, and screaming, you should have because we lost their souls. Today is the day we need to reaffirm our commitment, not just to the world, not just to the lost, not just to God, but to our families, our houses, that we will serve the Lord.